If you wouldn't mind opening your Bible to Acts chapter 8, that's going to be our text today. And uh, uh, Pastor Robert said that you guys were up for a challenge. I heard something about line chasers, right? You are up for a challenge. So the book that you have, Everyday Discipleship, is uh, it's going to have seven, in, really seven encounters for you this week. And the first one begins today. So sometime after the service certainly before you go to sleep tonight, um, you need to read the first encounter. And then uh, I'm not going to give anything away, but here's what I will say about it. Every day this week is scheduled a different type of encounter. And those encounters will cause you to to, uh, grow your faith in Christ and encourage other people. And God's got some stuff He's got some encounters for you this week. And then um, the goal is after each day to reflect on those encounters, to kind of write it down and, and think about what God has done in your life, and then share what He's done with someone else. It might be, might be your spouse or a friend. But here's the foundational principle in disciple making. If you're not sharing what you're learning, you're not making a disciple. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples, part of that was, and teaching them. So that's not, that's not just, uh, you know, my job or Pastor Robert's job. That's your job. You know, as a dad, it's my job as a father to my children. You know, as a husband, it's my job to encourage my wife and vice versa. My children encourage me and, um, and my wife does as well. And so it's meant to be that we're, we're sharing God and those encounters with God regularly in our homes and and in our life with other people. And so the seven different encounters are going to give you that opportunity. And I will promise you, they're all very doable. So you'll you'll find that my approach is more like measured exposure. You know, it's not gonna scare you to death to go do some of the stuff I'm asking you to do. But I will say this, it will require a little bit of faith. And uh, a mustard seed of faith is enough. It's enough to see mountains move. And so, um, that's all I'm going to tell you about things. Uh, All the rest of it is in the book. Get started today. Face the challenge. And see what God does. Go on an adventure with God this week. And it'll be exciting. Uh, Today I want to talk with you about, and I'm going to give you like the the quiz and the answer right here about what today's message is about. And today's message is called, One Encounter Can Change Everything. One Encounter Can Change Everything. So what's today about? That's pretty good. One more time. One Encounter Can Change Everything. So let's read about this encounter that changed everything for one man. Beginning in uh, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south on the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way he met an Ethiopian, eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. 
This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb was before the shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak? of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And then he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then Philip and the Ethiop and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way, rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotop and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that we would sit in your presence, Lord, like Mary, and that we would hear, hear with uh, open ears and hearts, with the willingness to actually do what you're asking us to do. Help us not to be hearers of your word, but doers. May your faith, our faith, become action, and may it be pleasing to you in every way. I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here today. It's such an honor to be with them. I pray that you would protect them from the enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And I pray that you would provide for their every need according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And I pray that they would come to know you better. Thank you so much, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I've gotten to that stage in my life where I have to, like, wear contacts and glasses and all kinds of stuff. And um, it's just the way it is, I guess. So when I was 12 years old, um, I'll tell you a little bit about my, my family. Um, I grew up, my mother and father were divorced early on. I have no memory of them interacting as husband and wife. And so my dad got t custody of five kids. And with the help of his mother, uh, he helped raise us. Uh, and um, I've, he ended up, when I was probably around 12 years old, maybe 11 or so, he ended up taking a job in another state 
and uh, I stayed in a small town in Oklahoma. And so I, I've, I've, to tell you a little bit about my journey, I've been without a uh, kind of parental guidance since I was that age. And uh, that's when I came into a relationship with Jesus at just the right time. And so how that happened was uh, early on a Sunday morning, the phone rang. And it was way back in the day, you rented phones from the, the uh, telephone company. And uh, this one was one of those, it looked like the, the old bat phone, you know, kind of thing. It was black, it had the rotary dial. And I've seen, I've seen YouTube videos now that, you know, that you have anybody like uh, under a certain age, they don't even know what to do with the rotary dial. You know, they can't call anybody on it. So and that's kind of fun. But that's the phone that, that rang and I picked it up. And uh, on the other line was a neighbor and her name was Connie Roberts. And she was an elderly lady. I thought she was like super old, but she was probably like in her 70s. And I'm like, that's looking better and better from my perspective, right? And so uh, anyway, she called me up and she said, hey, little Warren, because my dad's name is Warren. She said, little Warren, why don't you, uh, I want you to come over to my house this morning. And uh, this morning, I want you to come to Sunday school with me. And I'll fix you breakfast. So just come on over. And I'm like, I'm there. You know, and I hung up the phone. I probably was wearing the same clothes I've been wearing for the last three or four days. You know, and I just got up and ran over there because nobody was going to get up and fix me breakfast. And I'm like, man, this must be my lucky day. And uh, so I get, I get to her house and she opens the door, and I can smell the, the smells of breakfast. How many of y'all love breakfast? Man, breakfast is my favorite meal. I love breakfast so much. And so I could smell the bacon and eggs when I walked in. I was like, whew, this is, this is getting better and better. She sent me down at her uh, kitchen table, and it was one of those old school tables that had like the chrome skirting kind of metal and the, the flowery seats on it, you know. The, I don't even know what they made those things out of. It's some sort of plastic type thing. And I sat down there, you know, and she, uh, she was, as she was finishing the bacon and eggs, she says, hey, I'm going to give you a bowl of post-toasties. Anybody know what post-toasties are? Like, yeah, we got a few, and that's, that's it. Like, post-toasties are like the driest cereal in the world. Like, you get them, and you have to, like, dump a bunch of sugar on them and mix that up with your milk to get them to, to taste good. So, anyway, she made me some of that, and then the bacon's, bacon and eggs came, and it was great. And uh, she said, hey, we're going to be, uh, at Sunday school, we're going to be uh, learning about a Bible verse, and I'm going to teach you how to remember that verse today. And so over breakfast, she started teaching me John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And she would just do it like this, okay, the Warren, when I say it, I want you to say it back to me, for God so loved the world. And in between bites, I was like, yum, 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 for God so loved the world, you know, and uh, that kind of thing, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And she said, Warren, you could put your name in there. For God's love, Warren, that he gave his only son. She started to help me personalize the scripture right away. I didn't know all that she was doing, had no idea what she was doing. But it was through her that it wasn't, it wasn't too long later, I found myself in a church service, and she was one of those sweet ladies that carried bu uh, butterscotches in her purse to uh, accommodate, you know, me sitting by her, and I was so happy to sit by her, not just for the butterscotches. And we started, you know, uh, she became more than just a, a breakfast buddy on Sunday mornings. I started thinking, well, what can I do for you? 
And I started thinking, well, maybe I can mow her yard. And so I started dragging a lawnmower over there and mowing her yard. And, and we just became friends in so many ways. And uh, that, that lasted until she passed away with cancer when I was uh, a soldier in Germany many years later. One encounter can change everything. And I was in a church service in a small little missionary Baptist church building in a small town in Oklahoma. And the pastor said, anybody who needs Jesus today, I want you to step out of that pew and I want you to walk down here. He's waiting for you. And I had that that death grip on the pew in front of me, you know, where your knuckles turn white and you're like, you know, as though it's going to anchor you there. And I just remember just letting go and getting up, knowing that everybody, they already knew about me anyway. I was a a rapscallion for sure. And I walked down that aisle and I I said, Pastor, I need Jesus. He said, well, let's take care of that. And I knelt at a pew, right, like these group of chairs here. And I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. And I made a promise. I'll follow you for all of my life. Every bit of it said, amen. And I said, Pastor, what's next? (laughs) I didn't know what to do. He said, well, we're going to baptize you next week. I'm like, all right. I'm in. I'm all in. And I just, I want to share that with you to encourage you and remind you that one encounter can change everything. Not just for you. I'm raising a family. Me and my wife have been following Jesus together for be 28 years in June. We have four children who love Jesus. You have no idea all that you're saying yes to when you say yes to Jesus. You have no idea. It's way more than you think. Way more. I want to bring out some observations from this passage and this encounter with Philip and the, the Ethiopian man. Uh, the first thing I want to note is just that it says here... The very first word is now. When does disciple-making happen? In the present moment. That's when the Spirit of God is going to deal with you. That's when He's going to ask something of you. He's not going to tell you necessarily in, the, in three weeks from now, this is going to happen, so you better get ready for it. Or, you know, you missed this opportunity back here. He's going to speak to you in the present moment, right now. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip. And um, um, who is this angel of the Lord? Who is this guy? I've read all kinds of commentaries, and you know what I've discovered? Nobody knows. Like no, and not only does nobody know, nobody even ventures to guess. Is this like a real person? Is this a heavenly being? You know, who is this? What is this? And so you can't find it. Step on that little thing there. You cannot find who this guy is. And so I think it's interesting 
that uh, there's no mention of him. And I think one of the things that is important to consider here is that the important thing here is not the messenger. The important thing here is the message that he carries. You know, sometimes we overvalue our importance as though every—we have this great—I don't know if it's great. It's, it's this maybe tragic thing as human beings that we, we have the ability to make everything about us. Like, it doesn't matter what it is, it suddenly is all about us. <laughs> and uh, we don't even know about anything about this person. But we do know about the message. And here's what I want to also bring out, is sometimes when we're talking about, you know, God's work in our life, we think of it some being some grand thing. Think about the message that he actually told Philip. I want you to get up, and I want you to walk south on the road to Gaza. That's it. I mean, no bells and whistles, no nothing. It's just so mundane, so very ordinary. And that really describes a lot of the work that God has called us to do. It just feels like an everyday thing. And I think it's meant to. I think disciple making is meant to be very ordinary, everyday. This is who we are. This is how we live. This is how it's done. Um, In many ways, you need to see yourself as that angel of the Lord. Providing just enough information to get somebody walking in the right direction. And that's all he did. He said, go walk south on the road to Gaza. That's not very hard to do, right? You know, but it was just enough to get Philip out of his stuff and walking. And I would point this out to you too, is that you need to be responsive when the Spirit of God speaks to you. You need to be responsive in that moment In that now moment when the Spirit of God speaks to you, you need to be like Philip, who isn't waiting, hesitating, questioning, arguing, you know, strategizing, making excuses, you know, whatever it is. You just need to simply get up and start walking south. And because you never know what God's about to do. Philip didn't know who he was going to meet. He didn't even know who he was looking for. Now think about that. Isn't that like every day? Every day we get up, we go to the store. We didn't know that we were going to have this meeting. I had, I had two great encounters right before I came here. I didn't know I was going to have these encounters. But we just need to start walking. And we also need to be there uh, willing to, to tell others just enough to get them headed in the right direction. And I think that's important. So there's Philip. He's walking and he meets an Ethiopian man which is an unusual encounter. You know, this is somebody he didn't have much in common with, to be honest, hardly ever. But there's some neat things about this man that he knew. There's at least eight things. You know, he was was a eunuch. He was Ethiopian. Um, He was rich. He was educated. He had high status. You know, um, he could read. And uh, he had some interest in the things of God because he had went to the temple for worship. This is something that probably you, you, you may know, but if you don't, you'll need to know about the eunuch who went to the temple to worship. He was excluded. He went there for the purpose 
of really trying to worship God, trying to figure out what this was about. But when he got there, he was not allowed in. He was excluded from temple worship. And so the very thing that he wanted to do, he couldn't do. And uh, about the details, I'll, I'll mention this. We need to spend enough time with people so we get to know them. If you consider just about the text itself, who was there? It was only Philip and the Ethiopian man. How do we know about all these details? Because Philip shared those with somebody else. And here's maybe an observation to consider. Are you spending enough time with people to get to know about them? Or are you so busy telling about you? Are you getting to know them? I mean, really know them. Do you know about some of the things that they're, they're dealing with? Where do they work? You know, what do they do? What do they know? Are you spending time really interested in them? And I think that's something that, that is obviously in the text, but it's not overt in, in terms of action, but it's worth our time and our ability to do. So he, he gets to know him. And... Um, He's very sensitive to the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God says, hey, run up to this chariot, that's what he does. Now, I want you to picture you being Philip, just for a second. So you're Philip, and the Spirit of God says, just go run up to the chariot. Do you think you're going to feel awkward? Any takers? You're, gonna, you're just going to feel weird. You should be, okay, I guess I'll be running up to that chariot. You know, he, and he didn't hesitate. He's just running up that chariot. God's not afraid to put you in awkward situations to accomplish his desires. You need to start embracing those encounters. You know the reason that we don't? We're too worried about us. We're too worried about what other people think of us. We're too worried about stuff that doesn't matter. But Philip wasn't worried about any of that stuff. He didn't care. And I'll point out to the fact that Philip was on foot and he was in a chariot. He was super wealthy. Philip was not. But Philip ran up to that chariot anyway. And then when he ran up to the chariot, he heard the man reading from Isaiah, the prophet. And that's, that's the point in which we can connect with people. That if we're pulling up close enough to people, there will be windows of connection that open that we can then attach, we can then speak into, we can then step into that door. And that's what you see here. He says, and then he asked him a very insightful question because Philip understood the reality of what he had come, to, come from. You know, he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? This, this wasn't, this was a, a very thoughtful question because he wasn't able to get into the temple so that anybody there would explain the scriptures to him. So Philip asked him, do you, do you understand what you're reading? And you can, you can, if you know about this text and you read it, you can sense the frustration when he says, how can I? How can I? There, there it is, frustration. I can't know unless somebody helps me. And that's where you and I come in. Hey, 
we just showed up at the right place. <laughs> you know, we're that helper. We work in partnership with the Spirit of God to accomplish His desires in the lives of people just like us. That's Connie. When the Spirit of God spoke to her about that little rogue kid down the street, I said, why don't you call him? And she went over there and she picked up that phone of hers and she dialed my number. And she invited me in. And so you'll see the very same thing happen here. The, uh, the eunuch invites Philip to come up and join him in his chariot. Relationships develop at the rate or the law of invitation and response. Somebody will give you an invitation. And then if you say no to that invitation, the relationship stalls out. It does not move forward. This is true if you're uh, in any relationship you have. You know, if uh, those of you uh, who are married, somewhere along the way, you had to give an invitation. Hey, would you consider going on a date with me, right? And if she said yes, then the relationship could move forward. But if she said no, it's over. Doesn't move forward from there. It's revelation and response, invitation and response. And so here the Ethiopian man invites Philip to come up into the chariot with him, and, and he explains to him. You know, he, then he asks a question, well, what does this mean? You know, who's, who's this passage about? And uh, Philip wasted no time. He said, this is about Jesus. And he started with that very passage of Scripture. Now, church, this is why it's important to know your Bible. Because you never know where people are. And this is also an important point. You don't start where you are. You start where they are. And we, we want people to start where we are, but that's not where you start. You start where they are, and then you move forward. And then he came to some water, was baptized. There's uh, one other thing I want to share before I close this up. In this reality that one encounter can change everything, and it says that after he was baptized, that he went away rejoicing. He came to worship. He was rejected. He found Jesus. And he was rejoicing unfettered, unhindered. And he didn't need anybody else around him to, to feel the joy of the Lord. And if you go back and read the passage in which he read from Isaiah, and you read three chapters further, those passages deal with how God feels about a eunuch and how he grafts them into his kingdom, and he considers them a son. One encounter can change everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together. I pray that as we consider these words of yours, that we would honor you throughout this, this time, considering all that you give us. Move in us as you will. Your will be done in all things. And we love you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.